all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. This is Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. When you say, how are you, or how are you doing, those are typical greetings that you use, right? But have you really stopped to find out how your friends and your family are doing? So today I want to explore the science behind feeling safe and connected. We'll talk about where we are now and how we can help ourselves and others put a more positive spin on our lives during this pandemic. So... I want to hear from you um, and hear how you are doing. COVID-19 has not gone away, unfortunately. I think we all know that. Is it here to stay or is there more to come? Honestly, I wish that somebody had that answer for us, but the truth is no one knows for sure. Nobody does. Our scientists knew that COVID was going to be something that we would need to reckon with. But few thought, I believe, that we would have such an if issue getting, getting through it like this, like we have, with the mutations and the changes. So with all of that, life has definitely changed for most of us, if not all of us in some way or another. So my question to you first is, how has it changed for you? How how negative have things become for you? Or is there something positive that come, has come out of dealing with this pandemic that, you know, it's lasted now for going on two full years, right? Um, do you feel safe? How is your mental health? How has that affected you? I have another question for you. How has it affected your relationship in, um, in the previous show, uh, before this one, in legal terms, they talked about uh, divorce and um, and custody. And, and that is a topic I really would like for us to take on on this show. But, but I'm curious as to how perhaps this pandemic has either enhanced or um, hurt your relationships. Um, I dare say that We've all spent a bit more time at home than we typically had. So I thought I'd, um, as we're talking through all this, um, and I want to say good morning to Michelle. So good. Good to morning, have everyone. You. Glad to be back. And our first time back since the new year, yeah. 2022. Yeah. A new year. A new year. And Lots of topics to talk about this year. 
So many topics. And what is this year going to bring? You know, um, many of us, we, we try to predict that and, and try to plan for it. But, man, I think one thing that has happened for me is you can't always plan too far out because things may change. There may be, and you know, flexibility is something that we all mm. have had to learn, right? The pandemic, if anything, taught all of us that this world that uh, you have to adapt to what is thrown your way. One of our callers, if you remember last year, he he also calls a lot. I forget his name, but he actually gave us that a little bit of wisdom when it comes to that. We we I think we had the a show about um, yeah. how to deal with what's happening in your life and change. He said change. And yeah. he said not learning how to adapt, learning right. how to, that you don't control everything that's yeah. what he said specifically yeah. you don't control anything basically right you know as far as the yeah, you, can and the world, you can plan and you can prepare preparation helps a lot for yes. all our environmental health because if we feel that we have adequately prepared typically it takes some of the anxiety out of dealing with things because at least you've prepared but you cannot always absolutely predict what's going to happen and so being adaptable being flexible those are things that we've all had to learn how to do and the honest truth is adaptability and flexibility even here at the radio station Mm -hmm. how many times in the last several weeks have we had to pivot because someone was ill, someone was out, somebody couldn't be at the board versus the phones or whatever. And probably our listening audience has heard um, some of that. <laughs> and that's okay. Because I, I think what it has done is is to help us all learn how to pivot and be a little bit more flexible. So, um, you know, that brings up our original question. Um, what Maybe positive has come of this, but how has it affected you? And then my other question is, how do you think um, you are doing and and those that you love and care about are doing? So jump into the conversation whenever you are ready. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Um, You know, there have been, I was looking for some sort of recent survey of how how people are doing around the world or in the United States or whatever. And, you know, the last survey that I could find that really looked at how how we are doing and what is our sense of well-being dates back to almost a year ago. It was done in February of 2021, and certainly a lot has happened since then. Um, And in that survey, basically, um, just every parameter that was looked at, um, how things were going in the workplace, how you were feeling about your work-life balance, all of that had declined, um, as we would expect. I'm curious, though, if a new survey was done in between, because things kind of, and I'm doing air quotes, kind of got a little better 
in in our minds, people were outside. They were doing things again. Mm -hmm. Families were getting together. The Mm -hmm. vaccine was available. Right. So in our minds, maybe we saw some, you know, some end to this. And then all of a sudden. So the highs and lows of this Mm -hmm. pandemic is what I'm concerned about. How do you what do you put those feelings of hope and then no hope and hope and no hope? Where is there hope? Well, clearly there is some, so I'll inject some positivity in this continued ridiculous pandemic, is that Omicron, you know, we talked about how the mutations would happen and when they divide and all of that without getting into the deep science. And and one thing that has happened is it's become less deadly. Probably a sneaky way to stay around longer, because if you kill too many people, then you kill yourself out. Whereas if you're a virus and you're smart, then you're going to make it so you make people sick, but you don't kill as many. Are you saying <laughs> that viruses have thought have brains? Right, and they're, they're, they're collectively thinking about how to uh, manipulate the world? Is that what you just said? Uh, on that, I don't know that. that sounds too science fiction. It okay. sounds like a good movie to me. I would watch that. And I might write it down and make so, it a book. I mean, seriously. Michael Crichton-like, yeah. Yeah. That, that is brilliant writer. I know. All right. Um, let it, let's jump to the phones with our first caller, David from Philadelphia. Thanks for calling early and getting us started. Thank you. I'm glad to be uh, talking today. Uh, it has been a blessing for me to for this pandemic. Uh, of course, I've had the virus and got over it pretty quick, but uh, it's been a blessing for me otherwise. I've had plenty of time, personal time to exercise, concentrate on taking vitamins and minerals, and uh, I write poetry and music, so I write, wrote a, uh, I have a book coming out before too long, uh, a poetry book about uh, uh, God. And uh, I'm just so happy that I've been able to be able to do that. And the pandemic has helped me even better. Wow. So, David, thanks for putting a positive spin. I think we all need that. And I, I would like – so let me ask you this. Were you able to sit down and concentrate and write because something else changed in your life? I know being ill obviously doesn't help you write, but did you, was the isolation um, helpful in giving you more quiet think time? Is that what happened? Yes, ma'am. You have Mm -hmm. to have quiet time when you concentrate on uh, writing and uh, whether you're writing a book or or uh, writing uh, a script for a movie, uh, personal time makes a big difference. And this uh, pandemic has just made a big impact on me. Uh, of course, I spend less time with my friends, but, uh, you know, uh, when I do see them, I'm happy to see them. So it's been wonderful to me. Yeah. Yeah, David, you brought up a, a wonderful point that we've talked about before. When you're trying to in- engage the creative side of your brain, many individuals have to be able to have some real isolated time. Most of us use, you know, the left and the right side of the brain. Um, Maybe equally some one side more than the other. 
Um, but if you're really trying to get really down into the creative side, often you have to have a bit of quiet and extended quiet time. Most writers don't write in little snippets of 30 minutes at a time. The same thing goes if you'll listen. I've heard several interviews on um, creative songwriters who, in fact, won recently um, yesterday. And he talked about during the pandemic how because he had less less friend time, as you mentioned, David, and, and less um, other things to do out there, places to go, um, his trips were canceled. He became much more prolific in his songwriting. And I think that happens to artists and to others. So uh, congratulations on your book, David. And you'll have to tell us more when it comes out. Give us a call when it's published and, and people can access it. Okay. Well, thanks for your call. Um, so, see, there are some positive spins that we can put on things. So, um, listeners, I'd love to hear from more of you. What what has COVID-19 done to your sense of well-being, to your sense of creativity? Um, has it helped in a way or has it hurt? And are you looking for ways to feel safe and protected? Okay, when we come back, we'll talk more about that. And then I want to talk a little bit about the neuroscience of feeling safe and connected. Um, We'll get a little bit into the nerdy end of things, but not too much, I promise. So give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can send us an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking, and we'll be right back. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Children grow and change so fast, it's important to help them build the strong foundations they need to help develop lifelong skills and succeed in school. Whether it's singing songs in the car or counting steps while walking to the mailbox, there are many ways to help young children learn new skills and reach new developmental milestones. Even before they can talk, babies can make connections and respond to adults' words, sounds, and facial expressions by clapping, waving, or smiling back at them. Not only is it fun, but it's important to talk, read, and sing with children. More at MississippiThrive.com. MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, welcome back, and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Michelle McAdoo, and today, unrelatively speaking, we're talking about this continued pandemic and what it has done to our sense of well-being, perhaps our productivity, and how how maybe um, it 
could have improved our lives in some ways. Though in a survey that was done about a year ago, it was shown that um, most individuals found that their work-life balance was not as good, that perhaps they were feeling more lonely and um, less fulfilled than they typically were. I wonder where we are now a year later that we have been able to make some adjustments and some learning has occurred on how to better deal with this. Do you think your work-life balance has improved? I think one of the comments in one of the surveys that I was looking at back from last year was that individuals said, you know, used to, um, you'd leave your office, you'd close the door, you'd walk to your car, and work was left there. Now, if we're working from home, um, there's no no door to close. We're not getting in our car. Um, Often the work just bleeds over into lunch. It bleeds into break time. It bleeds into your nighttime. And people now often expect that there will be a response within a couple of hours, or you're going to get another email about it again. Um, And I'm speaking from personal experience. This has truly happened to me. Well, you talked about um, last year, and I think we had an expert to talk about how to work from home because Mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't know how to work from home. They never had to. Um, Some key points, some people said, do not work from your bedroom. Don't work from Mm -mm. your bed. Mm -hmm. Um, Find a different area. Your bedroom should be, we talked about sleep, so we had a sleep show. So don't do work from your bed. Um, That was a good point, and actually that stuck with me. I see what you were saying. When you're in your room, you want that to be your peace, your place of peace. Right. How to get a good night's sleep don't work from your bed so if it's the dining room table or you have an uh, designated office in your home um, work from a different area that's a good point but you you said a mouthful how do you balance that work-life balance when your work and your life is in the same place right when you you work from home yeah and And your kids are at home if they're virtual learning everything is in the house i think many of us learned to adjust to that and you know if you don't have the a large enough abode to be able to have your own study or a, a spot like Michelle just said I think most of us have learned well you know work from the kitchen um, don't work from the bedroom make yourself have and then make yourself have a finite cutoff to when that work stops now from what I can tell there are many offices evolving and I think many of you have seen this in the national news many offices now are going to complete remote working Um, There are some companies who have decided that a large portion of their workforce will not have an office. Their office will be their home. And how we all adjust to that eventually is something that will be interesting. I'd love to hear from any listeners who have had that occur, that they used to go into the office and now they're finding that the corporate world is saying, no, just stay home. You know, for those of us in Mississippi who many times had to leave 
Mississippi to be able to have this great corporate job, maybe it's going to open up some doors for us. It really might. Um, So that you can do, if you are just a savvy tech person, you don't have to move to Southern California where uh, maybe it's pretty, but the living expenses are astronomically high. Um, Maybe you can just stay in Mississippi um, not be part of the brain drain. And right. that's a plus. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of um, plus to me. It's a lot of good and bad with this pandemic. And I've talked about that from the beginning of how it affected my life. It actually <laughs> stopped my momentum to a certain point, a certain mm. type of momentum, meaning mm. I was spinning wheels and not making the money that I needed to make. But I was busy all the time. Mm. So the pandemic, actually, I say it it bust a hole in the earth and pick me up and pull pull me from something I didn't need to be in. And I'm grateful for that. Um, Very grateful for that, that I got a chance to make some um, decisions for me and make better decisions for me. So a lot of people, if you have um, a similar story, good or bad, that the pandemic helped you or didn't help you or how did it affect you and how you're feeling now with the new variants out, still having to wear masks, are we ever going to not wear masks? How are we ever going to not be able to wear masks? How do you feel about (laughs) that? We just want to hear from you. Let's talk. Let's talk about uh, the kids being at home or not at home. How do you feel about your kids going back to school this second semester with the numbers being so high? Yeah. Um, So we just have the platform. The phone lines are open. 1-877-MPB-RING. And that's 877-672-7464. We want to hear how you feel at the top of the show. Dr. Butchers asked, when you say, how are you to someone? Do you really mean, and when you say, I'm okay, are you really okay? Are you really okay? So you want to, I think one thing we want to do for each other is if you ask that question, stop, pause, look at them, and really make sure that you are allowing them a, a real response. You know, I think the art of conversation sometimes has uh, left us. People are in such a, a big hurry, and there's such short bites to everything um, that people forget. I was at a, a virtual meeting yesterday, and we were talking about a difficult topic. We really were. And as we were moving through it, um, one of the people who was running the meeting stopped and and he said he asked a question and then he stopped and there was pregnant silence. I mean, it was like I counted to about 13 and nobody responded. And he laughed and he said, that's one thing that we've learned is that. To make yourself stop and pause long enough for people to process through what you just asked or what you just said so that then they can give an appropriate response. Now, we can't wait 13 seconds on the radio. 13 seconds is a long time on radio, on air. But it's a technique to, to remember and to think about. Okay, we've got a few callers I do want to get to. Let's go to Mikey in Mobile. Hi, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Um, This is a most interesting show, as usual. Um, I'd like to start off by saying that um, I was in the grocery store with my mask and even gloves because I'm doubly vulnerable, 
and there was this delightful <laughs> child um, uh, that was sitting in the, you know, the, the, the front of the cart thing while his mom was looking over produce, his or her mom, I don't even know, but just looked at me and grinned and laughed and grinned and laughed, and it just made... Made your day. Yeah. Yeah. That's a difference in my life. I I look back, you know, like at first I looked back and I thought, well, you know, I shouldn't be bothering anybody. But then I thought, I just looked and I said, thank you too, darling. (laughs) Happy Uh, New Year. uh You know? And the and her, the mom turned around and said, "Oh, well, thank you." And I said, "No, thank you." Um, but my real comment here is that um, I'm hearing from fellow humans um, now, as I understand it, um, that there's increased output of introversion, uh, what we call creativity. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, it's like those those of us who you know who do artistic quote unquote things, whatever, and we have the electronic um, versions of being able to share it now. But I'm also hearing that maybe there's a decreased absorption of extroversion. Um, the media, it's I, I'm sorry, I know I'm talking with the media, but the media itself has has caused a lot of questionability. Um, uh, it, maybe we're talking about more original thought productivity versus media programming mm-hmm. and that's just an example i'm not saying that as an accusation maybe this is just a new balance for everyone who who can afford it um because a lot of people can't afford it. a lot of people are having to live on the streets and other things um spaceship living on the ground here on earth I know that was a a long dodge. That was, yeah, that was, no, it wasn't. And I think you brought up a couple of points, Mikey. Um, One, I think, yes, you you mentioned introversion, yes. I think many people who were already somewhat introverts, are are have gotten more introverted, and that's, that's um, a good thing. And that's, that's okay. Share your poetry and your art and your music. That's a good thing, right? Well, good in that. Yes, it perhaps is giving those introverted individuals more. Um, more of that quiet time to be able to do things. Now, just because you're an introvert or an extrovert doesn't mean that you're creative or not creative. There are some extroverts who are quite creative and who who love to be center stage. We are all both. We are all both, right? Whether you're a baby in a a cart in a grocery (laughs) store or somebody wandering around like me with a mask on going, uh, you know, it's like in my gloves and going, well, at least I'm pr- protected as I can be. I mean, we are all both, introverts and extroverts. Yeah, I think your point is is good, some more so than others. And pandemic has helped probably the introvert or extrovert become more creative. But I love the smiley baby. That can always brighten everybody's life. So thanks for that. Okay, we're going to go to the next break. And when we come back, we have Stephen, Wyatt, and Rachel um, waiting for us. Hang on there, and um, we'll continue this really interesting discussion. Um, This is Relatively Speaking, and uh, stay with us. We'll be back.
Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Parents are a child's first teacher. Children make connections to the growing world around them through back and forth interactions. Parents and other caregivers can help children learn communication and social emotional skills by talking, reading, and singing each day. More information at MississippiThrive.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Michelle McAdoo, and we are talking about where we are now. How are we doing? How is everybody doing? And how can we help? How can we feel safe and secure? And what can we do to perhaps help others? We're going to stay on the phone. Stephen's been patiently waiting from Boonville. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for calling. Hello, I'm sure you know by now I love your show. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, um, what I want to express is, is how this has affected me, this pandemic and the mask wearing and, and everything. Based on just just respectable humanity, I think most of us would agree that the mask wearing is based on the concept of loving your neighbor as yourself. There's no, no very little question there. We don't like it. But it's for the good of not only ourselves but others. But the mask itself, it, it really symbolizes something to me, not totally on the positive side, because I grew up a very lonely person until I met my wife, and all of that changed. But all of a sudden, this mask thing came up, and it symbolizes separation and barrier to me. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't look at a person and see. The beautiful smile they may be hiding behind that mask. They can't see mine. And it, it's just such a heartbreaking barrier to me. But I know it's, it's out of respect for each other. But thinking along those lines, I can't help but wonder what is life looking like now through the eyes of a young child. Mm-hmm. That's heartbreaking when mm-hmm. you think about it. Mm-hmm. And I know we have to, it's causing us to dig deeper within ourselves to, to find something positive, to to develop something within ourselves that can um, adjust. We, we uh, Back to an earlier conversation, we need to learn to be flexible and adjust, but not let this thing destroy us inside. It's something that could actually be positive for us to develop from and, and develop talents like, like was being discussed or, or develop ways to reach out, to, to reach out and, and look at someone even if we can't see their smile. Like right. you're saying, how are you? because we're all feeling this. Yeah. Well, Stephen, you brought up a couple of really excellent points. I want to um, highlight one about what has this done to the young child. And um, from, uh, as I think most of you know who listen regularly, I'm a developmental behavioral pediatrician, and so I look a lot at the behavior of children and certainly young children. One, obviously, um, facial expressions is something that children learn to read quite early on and how important 
important the entire face is and not the eyes. So a couple of things I want to remind everybody about. We are lucky to live in the South in that even in the winter, often we can go out of doors and um, exercise and entertain ourselves and interface with others. When you are outside, it is okay to take the mask off. And in fact, you should. And I think it's really, really important for parents and others, grandparents and um, others to remember that when you're when you are with young children, make sure that you get them out. You let them experience those things. If a child is only seeing adults in masks other than their own parents, then they they truly are having a very limited, limited experience. And so. Um, I, I, thank you for that prompt to help me remember to say that out loud. Go outside. And when you are inside with your children, you unless somebody's sick and you're being very protective, you can take your mask off and interface with your child. Take your face out of the phone and look directly at the child so they can read facial expressions and others. So... Stephen, thanks for that. Um, I, I think, you know, yes, um, it is hard, but loving the neighbor and doing the right thing for each other is a good thing. All right. Staying on the phones, we're going to go right to Rachel in Eupora. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Doc. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for calling. What are your thoughts? Sure. Uh, I'm not so... Uh unhappy about having to wear a mask or stay at home even. Uh, I have things I can do. I don't feel uh, lonely. I have my pets. Um, I know I've said that before on your you have. I remember you. Yeah. You. You and, and I talked about loving those pets and how life enhancing yeah. they are. And I do go outside, but the thing that weighs heavily on me during this time are the people who have not and don't have any plans. I have several loved ones, uh, friends and family, who are not uh, intentioned to get their vaccine or the booster, and I worry about them. Mm -hmm. How are they doing? Oh, I think about that all the time, Mm -hmm. you know. Are they going to get sick? Uh, Our family lost three people in three years, about three years ago. And now I have a brother who doesn't have any plans to get vaccinated. And uh, I just think it's very selfish because we have lost people already. It is very selfish of others uh, not to... uh, as the gentleman said, uh, it's about loving your neighbor, mm-hmm. taking the steps and making yourself he- uh, healthy, but not only yourself, but loved ones as well. Yeah. Thank you for saying that, Rachel. Um, clearly, uh, the not being vaccinated doesn't just affect that non-vaccinated person, but it 
it definitely, especially with the way we know this new variant has been, it's highly, highly contagious. So we know, and we all, we know about viral load. This is, I I told you, science at the beginning of the show, science doesn't know everything. We don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know what the next permutation is going to be. But what we do know is that the higher the viral load, the more likely that there's going to be transmission, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you are unvaccinated, you are most likely to have a very high viral load. You are most likely to transmit it to others. And you are most likely to clog up the health system by becoming much more ill than those of us who have been vaccinated and boosted and who are trying to do the right thing. So with that said, all I can say is I know that from what I can tell um, from from different surveys and all, people who still are not vaccinated probably aren't going to be vaccinated. I wish they would wear masks so they would just protect others from them. But again, it's hard to know where individuals are coming from when they they continue to um, ignore the science that we have right now. So it is sad, Rachel. Um, And I I do wish there was something that we could do. And and this is all my opinion. I'll just say it's not MPB's opinion. Um, So don't get mad at the radio station if you disagree with me. But the science truly is out there. So it's there, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling, Rachel. And and I agree. I think a lot of people who who know how to self entertain and who get enjoyment from nature and their own environment are not struggling quite as much. So um, if we could get back to the simple and the basics, maybe we would all be sort of in Rachel's position right now. So thanks for your call. Okay. I believe, let's see, Wyatt is next in Hazelhurst. Hi, Wyatt. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for calling. Uh, I just wanted to... uh, the question about how you're doing reminded me of uh, something a teacher in high school uh, said to us once. She said that um, she never asked a friend, you know, how they're doing because it sort of put the onus on them to have to come up with a word or a descriptor to describe how they're doing. Sometimes we can be so overwhelmed it's hard to put a word to it. So she always asked, what can I hear about your day-to-day or what can I hear about your week that would be helpful? And, um, that's just something that's always stuck through me through the years. Wow. That's really a thoughtful thing that your teacher did. So tell me, when you say something like that, because the honest truth is I don't believe I've ever worded my my greeting to anyone exactly like that. Tell me some of the responses that you've gotten. So I think uh, a lot of times folks, uh, you know, they sort of look at you funny, um, but, you know, they just sort of start. And um, I think once they realize that they don't have that responsibility of having to come up with a word or moreover, give a socially desirable response, which is, I'm fine. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you are able to, to really hear their um, their story without them feeling like there are certain guardrails that they have to um, use that's either quick or um, just pacifies the fact that they think you're looking for just a cursory answer. And, of course, if you're talking to a friend and you're asking how they're doing because you want to help, then sort of giving them the freedom to to sort of start and where it goes, it goes. Um, you know, sometimes you find that after uh, 10 minutes, what started out as a funny look, you know, uh, whether it's a, a smile or a, or a tear or just a sigh, it turns out to be some really powerful 10 minutes of friendship. Yeah, that's a true friend. That is someone who's not just saying, how how are you doing? You know, I know that I have asked someone, how are you doing? And a couple of times they've said, you really don't want to know. And that's when I try to make myself stop, look them in the eye and say, yes, I do. Tell me about it. But I think the way you've said it is even even better. So why it that that was that's excellent. I will say, just as an aside, um, when I would pick my children up from school when they were going to elementary and junior high school, um, I quit asking how was your day because they would say fine, and that would be it. So what I started doing is changing my verbiage to say, um, "Tell me the best thing that happened at school today." Tell me the worst thing that happened at school today. So I could just get them to articulate more than fine, fine, mom, fine. You know what I do, Dr. Butchers? Young kids are different. Uh, When you have an 18-year-old that's a senior, I try to respect her feelings more. So Mm -hmm. I actually begin with, do you feel like talking? So I've learned, Jordan has taught me how to be a better parent. I love that. My daughter has taught me. I don't even want to tear up. But anyway, we're learning each other. The older she gets, I'm learning myself. And so she is a person. I have to respect her. Uh, Just because you're you're a parent doesn't mean you can make your child talk. No. Uh, If they don't feel like talking at that moment, you're not going to get anything out of them, even if you scream and yell. So the best thing is to ask permission. And I know some parents are like, I pay the bills and I'm the mom and I'm the dad. And no, they're a human being. They have feelings just like we do. So I always ask her, do you feel like talking? In the morning, they like the conversation on the way to school. She doesn't feel like talking. I don't say anything. That's hard for me. I'm a talker. So I like people to share, but I can't make her be me. She's not me. She's Jordan. So I have to respect that. So that's what I've learned as she gets older, as I get older and we're getting, we're becoming friends. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Wow. Well, I, I think, yeah, our kids teach us a lot. Now we can, we can expect respect, but I think to, to leave it open like that is a good thing. Okay, I think we're going to, um, well, we have Charlotte from Cleveland waiting on the line. We'll take a quick short break. Charlotte, stay with us, and when we come back, we are going to get to you. I want to hear what you have to say.
Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress with a Mindful Minute. Children grow up so fast, before you know it, they'll be starting kindergarten. A good way to watch for school readiness is to mark developmental milestones like talking in sentences, counting, writing, and playing well with others. Positive adult-child relationships are key to helping children meet these milestones. You already have the tools you need. Talking, singing, and reading are fun ways to help children learn and thrive. One way to celebrate these special moments is to use a milestone checklist. Healthcare providers are also a great resource to help make sure your child's on the mark and ready for the next step. Examples of developmental milestones, fun family activities, and additional resources can be found at MississippiThrive.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. This has been a great show about what's going on with our lives. So how are we doing is what we've been talking about. So we're going to go right on back to the phones and hear from Charlotte in Cleveland. Hi, Charlotte. Hello. I wanted to share that um, you, Dr. Buttress, um, diagnosed my grandson, uh, who is on the autism spectrum, you diagnosed him with a pervasive developmental disorder several years ago, and I'd like to share that um, COVID isolation and the school situation uh, of having to go virtual uh, really is a challenge for special needs families because children on the autism spectrum, when their routine is changed, it, it it's rough on the whole family. They like their routine the same all the time. And um, and also, I have learned, uh, I, I've loved nursing home ministry for years, and I had to give that up, like, uh, as a volunteer, mm-hmm. I did it. And so I tweaked that into reaching out to elderly and special needs neighbors from a safe distance and baking things for neighbors or just calling and checking on people. And I learned also from uh, someone who has a diagnosis of anxiety, depression, and OCD that COVID has made the whole world come to live in the type of world that a a person who has mental illness like OCD or um, agoraphobia and Mm. never they're never able to leave their home that the whole world uh, kind of is having to experience what they experience all the time wow yeah exactly that's exactly what's happened. So all of the sudden, an individual with something like agoraphobia or um, OCD, where they're obsessive about cleanliness, doesn't seem so out of the norm anymore. And so it it's almost that kind of behavior has almost been normalized. Um, but I, I am concerned that it has... Um, has perhaps reinforced and exacerbated, made worse, some of the individuals who already had difficulty. And I do have a couple of friends who have gone from being pretty much an introvert and individual who really would pick and choose what they did to now 
um, not doing anything outside of their own safe space at home. So, so Charlotte, you're right. Um, thank you. I will thank you for all of those that you have touched with your ability to sort of pivot because the nursing home, sadly, the nursing home ministry has taken a major hit because of the fact that you know, trying to contain infection control and all of that. So that, you know, to pivot and to reach out like you have to your your older friends and neighbors who perhaps need you. The other thing I'd like to remind everybody is just phone calls. Make phone calls to those individuals. If you can't go visit them, just say, how are you? And then stop and listen or uh, use one of those phrases, what, what's one of the, what is the one thing that I can help you most with? I love that. So to, to think about that. And then also, finally, back to your original point, Charlotte, about your grandson. Um, individuals who have something like autism spectrum disorder, who who really or severe anxiety disorder or other issues who really do thrive on having a routine set so that it's predictable. Um, it is just next to impossible to be flexible and to adapt in some cases. So to have understanding about that, to know that whatever you can do to alleviate some of the anxiety that comes to not being able to plan and have an absolute schedule is something that's very important for all of us to remember and to try to do and to help out parents, grandparents, and the adult individuals who are struggling with this kind of thing as they're moving through. I don't want to say that we have a new normal. I've heard that a lot. Um, I don't know what's in our future, but I do know that this pandemic has probably taught us a lot of life lessons that if we try to make ourselves remember them, that perhaps we'll end up on the other end of this wherever we land as better people who are more adaptable, more flexible, more giving and more caring. So think about that. All right. Thanks, everybody. I love our callers, love our listeners. If you'd love to hear this show again or any past episodes, you can listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking. The show is a production of MPB Think Radio, engineered by Michelle McAdoo, our call screener, Jay White. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking and that you'll stay tuned for NPR's Here Now, coming up right here on MPB Think Radio.